welcome to Empowering Homeschool Conversations. Thanks for joining us. My name is Peggy Ployer, and I am the founder and CEO of SPED Homeschool, as well as, <coughs> excuse me, uh, the, the, the um, host of this show, Empowering Homeschool Conversations. And uh, we are diving into a new topic. It's a, a new month. Uh, this is the first week in June. And June, kind of starting that that. Uh, summertime fun activities. At least I hope you're motivating a little more away from the books and enjoying some of that downtime. But um, we're going to be talking about learning on the go and out and about and making it fun and um, something not only your kids need, but you need as parents as well. Um, and and so I'm excited to have um, one of our, our previous guests back, Travis Lish. Thanks, Travis, for joining us again. I'm excited to have you back on the show. <laughs> Yeah, of course. I'm so excited to be here and excited to talk about uh, the principles of making learning fun. Yes. Yeah. We're specifically going to talk about what is coined as gamification. And maybe you don't even know what that is. Well, you don't have to worry because Travis is going to introduce us, us to that concept and then kind of pick it apart for us and make it more accessible because I think we you can make it a rather complex thing and um, probably there's I think research papers and you know the the complexities of this approach, but we want to make it accessible to you as parents to just how do I use it and how do I make my student more engaged with their learning and um, so I'm excited for you to share about that, Travis. And um, if our our viewers in the past haven't um, didn't get to know you in our the previous podcast and and um, show that we had. I would love for you to start by just um, letting us know a little bit about you and why engaged learning is is so fundamental to the core of, of um, all the things that you do because it seems to be the, the, the driving force behind a, a lot of the things I've seen you, you work in. Yeah, absolutely. So. It's interesting. I've been working in uh, education and specifically alternative education. So homeschooling, private schooling, uh, and entrepreneurship education for mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. the last six years. And wow. the, the thing that primarily led me in that direction was that for most of my childhood and teenage years, I, I was someone who would have said that I didn't like learning. And uh, uh -huh. <laughs> that, that to me is such a bummer because I think the, the truth of it was that I didn't enjoy the structure in which I associated with learning, right? Right. Uh, and, yeah. and, and so as I got a little bit older and, and realized that I do love to learn and that I find mm -hmm. a lot of joy and purpose and meaning in learning, right. uh, it became one of my life purposes to help young people <laughs> find the joy in learning Hmm. Uh, and, and specifically to find things they love learning about, right? right. Uh, things that can be associated with their life mission and their life purpose, mm -hmm. and, uh, things that are unique to them. And so, uh, like I said, for the last six years, I've been working in one, in one way or another in entrepreneurship education. Uh, yeah. Last time we met, I, I was running the Startup Academy mm -hmm. uh, and we helped uh, young people specifically start businesses and, and level up in their entrepreneurship journey. Uh, right. Just Three and a half months ago, I actually merged and partnered with a company called Factor. Uh, mm. And so I joined their founding team. And we are, we're on a quest to build a better on-ramp for teenagers after high school. Mm. Our, uh, a few of the things that we've noticed and we see is that uh, people are getting into too much college debt. Uh, yeah. and, mm -hmm. and one of the tragedies of that is that uh, after college... 
about half of college graduates still graduate having no idea uh, what they want to do with their career, with their time. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's a really expensive way to stay wandering and confused about your life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. And then you feel pigeonholed because you have that debt that's following yeah, you. Really and difficult. it makes it worse because you really can't go out and pursue a lot of things that you probably could have without right. that debt. Mm-hmm. And so our goal with Factor is how can we help younger individuals get gain exposure to a broad variety of career paths and mm. life options that they have in front of them and right. then equip them with the skills and the experience and the network that they need to to succeed within that. Yeah, yeah, and, that's great. And coming full circle, just because today we're talking about engaging in gamification, mm-hmm. uh, right. the way that that ties in is that uh, as a young learner, uh, young mm. learners are really experts at playing. Oh, yeah. They're mm-hmm. professionals at it. They right. are so much better than us as adults at playing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We, we've <laughs> lost the art. We have to retrain ourselves. <laughs> yeah, we have. And they're the best at it. And so one of mm-hmm. the challenges that we have as educators uh, helping our young learners is to is to speak their language, which is how can we how can we play and turn playing into learning? Yes. Uh, and when we do that, then we can really start a beautiful journey of learning uh, Mm -hmm. to a lifelong success. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And yes, I was uh, telling parents this last weekend, you have to play more and (laughs) wish I had the time to explain to them (laughs) how they could change that in themselves. And um, that's, that's a whole separate topic, I think, to, to address, but, but just, I think just taking a little bite off and trying to do it with our kids is one step for us as well. And so I'm excited to, for you to share a lot more about just the power of this and, and how to go about doing it through some examples and things. Yeah. So if you're watching, I just want to encourage you that if you're watching on um, Facebook, just know that you can make comment down in the feed and we'll see that if you're watching on YouTube, you can do the same. Um, we'd love for you to be part of the conversation. Tell us where you're watching from. I see there's quite a few viewers on right now. And um, we we love being live because you, you can be a part of this um, discussion as well. Um, and if you're watching on the Empowered Homeschool Network, just know that that is linked to our YouTube channel. So Try not to comment on there unless you want a discussion afterwards, because um, we can't see your comments unless you link to the YouTube channel and comment there. So just know that um, we we want to make sure that you get in the conversation if you want to be. Um, and that's how. So. So, yeah. So break it down a little bit for us, Travis, as to um, what is gamification? Yeah, so gamification <laughs> is, like you mentioned earlier, there is so much information. Gamification became popular about 20 years ago. Hmm. Uh, and, and essentially what educators and you'll see employers in the workplace are starting to, to use these principles mm-hmm. is uh, because games have a magical way of drawing us in. Yeah. When we play a game, we, we play simply because we want to. And it draws us mm-hmm. in, enjoy it. Right. Uh, and so when we say gamification, essentially what we're talking about is giving game-like principles to hmm. tasks that aren't typically thought of as being games. Huh. Uh-huh. 
And so we want to get a little bit specific and we'll chat about this today. Mm -hmm. What are those different attributes that make games irresistibly fun, right? That Mm -hmm. pull us in uh, and and help play again and again and again. Mm -hmm. What are those attributes that make games so fun and how can we incorporate those attributes into the activities that we have to do every day? And if we can do that successfully, then uh, we can start to build... Uh, we can start to build experiences that not only mm-hmm. our kids, but that we ourselves will also enjoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of like an internal reward built into the activity yeah. instead of just this, you know, I'll do this monotonous activity that I don't want to do and then I'll be rewarded afterwards. It's, it's kind of the incorporation of that that instead. So that's that's awesome. So, Yeah. Well, we've yeah. got a couple of viewers. I see Creative Minds Homeschooling has joined us from Minnesota. I only know that you live in Minnesota because you worked at my booth in Minnesota, at the Minnesota conference this weekend. <laughs> and then we have another viewer on from Facebook watching from Northern Virginia. So thanks, ladies, for joining us. Um, yeah. So I, I'm going to pull up your slides because I can't remember exactly what you wanted to share on there. And, um, and we'll kind of. Yeah dive in. Um, we have one viewer also on Facebook that asked, um, so are you going to provide uh, a game list or examples of good games we could use? I personally don't like games. I struggle with this. Um, so do you want to answer that question? Yeah, I would love to answer that question. So uh, today I won't provide a list of of games to to buy and then use. What I'll do instead is I want to give you principles so that you can you can begin to craft your own games out of the situations that you have in your home. So I'll give you, Mm -hmm. I'll tell you a few stories today of examples of how you can do that. Uh, Some examples that are, that I will share are um, chores turn into games. I'll share an example of of (laughs) math. Uh, And, and another example also of, of the, the value of, uh, feedback and response turn into a game. So mm-hmm. I'll give you those attributes that you can apply to any situation and air, any scenario. Essentially, how can you create your own uh, games at home mm-hmm. uh, to help turn positive outcomes uh, enjoyable? Yeah, yeah, that is so powerful. That yeah, it isn't just this. Let let's take this and put put it into an environment that you know is is static, but it's something that's, it's so changing and, um, morphing within your house and it, the games can change along with it because it's something that you're, you're just implementing in the midst of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I couldn't agree more. Uh, it's very, um, fluid and very malleable. I will, I'll share attributes today and I'll share principles. Mm-hmm. And I also acknowledge that within every single home, it will look a little bit different. Yes, uh, because when great. done correctly, mm-hmm. it's crafted around the needs of of the learner, right? Mm-hmm. And, so, mm-hmm. right. and so, I won't ever try to get too specific because uh, it requires a lot of knowledge on the specific learner. Once mm-hmm. we dive into specifics, but right. we'll stay we'll stay high and reveal and talk about the principles and attributes uh, that you need to be successful. 
Great. Yeah. So it looks like we're going to start up with the principles. Yeah. <laughs> so we're there. We're on our first page. So the principles of engaging activities. And so you'll notice that here I don't have only gamification. We're not talking mm. solely about the principles of gamification. Mm-hmm. Uh, gamification falls within all that we're talking about today. Okay. So awesome. principles of gamification, or sorry, principles of engaging activities. Mm-hmm. Uh, first and foremost is peaking curiosity. Mm -hmm. Uh, Secondly, is that principle of gamification. Mm -hmm. Third, are are tasks and rules that are clearly understood. Uh, Fourth, is allowing autonomy. And Mm. fifth, uh, powerful debriefs. Mm. So I want to talk about each and every one of these. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And and each of these are so crucial and so vital to Mm. creating meaningful experiences and creating powerful opportunities to learn for your children. And, and I'll talk a little bit about these principles and sometimes where we fall short within Mm, them. That sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) So if you, if we want to go move forward, uh, the, uh, the first thing I'd like to chat about a little bit uh, on the next slide is a powerful learning begins with a question spawned from curiosity and wonder. Mm. The interesting thing about learning is it is the exact same for toddlers as it is for adults and anywhere and everywhere in between. So if you think about the toddler, the two-year-old, right, where they ask Mm -hmm. why every five seconds. Right. Yes. (laughs) They're they're naturally curious and they're they're craving information. Mm -hmm. And so they learn at incredible rates right? Mm -hmm. Their knowledge compounds and it doubles, it seems, every minute of the day. Mm -hmm. Right. But we as adults are the exact same way that we actually don't learn until we recognize something that piques our curiosity. And we wonder, Uh, no way. Or we might wonder, how is that possible? Right? mm -hmm. Think of the last time that you uh, Googled something uh, and you looked up and you read a blog article or uh, that you decided to read a book or you decided on mm-hmm. a documentary. The reason that we decided to do one of those actions is because our curiosity was piqued and we wanted to know something. Right. We as adults almost never uh, learn things uh, because we have to. Sometimes mm-hmm. for work we do. Right. right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but outside of that sphere, uh, we only learn things because we want to. Uh, and that really is the core of learning is once right. you're curious about it and you crave an answer, mm-hmm. that's what's going to send you on a journey to learn. I children love that. are the same yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we expect children to learn uh, not out of curiosity. Uh, a different way to say this is we, we a lot have the mindset of kids will learn this because they have to, because it's for their well-being, it's for their good. Yeah, but they don't uh, recognize that. <laughs> right. A four-year-old or a five-year-old and even up to a 15-year-old, they have no awareness that learning multiplication is good for them mm-hmm. in the long mm-hmm. run. Right. right. And so learning yeah. because they have to uh, doesn't equate with them the same way that it doesn't equate with us as adults, right? We don't mm-hmm. like learning because we have to. Right. Uh, they want to learn because it's enjoyable. So the mm-hmm. best way for us mm-hmm. to do that as parents and as educators is to create activities and prompts that pique their curiosity. Mm. Uh, and so one example that I like to give with this <laughs> is 
we, uh, one of the activities that I like to give to uh, participants in some of our programs is we send them out to do an activity called bigger or better. Mm, And mm -hmm. essentially, if you haven't heard of that activity, you start with something small. Think of a paperclip or a rock. And their task is to go out and make trades with neighbors Mm -hmm. uh, for something bigger or better at every home. And by the end of the activity, they'll come back with something much larger larger and much greater in value. Uh, Just to give you a reference, I've had teenagers come back after one week returning with something that was valued at $10,000. Wow. It's amazing and it's Mm -hmm. wonderful. Here's what I've learned is there's two ways to do this. One is, and you can feel the difference as I give these examples. The first would be to say, hey, here's this activity. You're going to go and trade things uh, to get more than this rock. Good luck. Mm. Or there's a way that we can set the stage that really piques their curiosity. Mm-hmm. That way would look something like this. Uh, this week, I'm going to send you off on a challenge. That challenge is to turn this rock into something far greater and far better. Teens in your same situation at your very same age have come back just five days later with items that are valued at $10,000. Can I tell you how they did it? All of a sudden, right, as a participant, your curiosity is going crazy. Right, exactly. Yep. And so peaking curiosity is the first step always. Mm-hmm. That How can we provide a prompt or a narrative that right. helps pique the curiosity and, and earns the interest of our mm-hmm. kids and our teens? Well, that's yes, exactly. Yeah, it kind of gets them out of their their stagnant little box of of yeah, this is just another thing I have to do, and yeah. and there's they're they're not even relating to it. I mean, this gives them sort of that relationship, but but even more so the the desire to to dive in. Yeah, so that's great. Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so if we continue on. Uh, yeah. To actually, let's jump this slide and go to the next one. Uh, mm-hmm. So once we peaked curiosity, mm-hmm. this is when we can get to the beauty of uh, gamifying. So we, we used this definition before. Gamification is defined as the use of design elements characterized for games in non-game contexts. Right. So I want to share with you just one example of how uh, I've used this principle uh, in a a large context uh, Mm -hmm. in a chore. Okay. So a couple of years ago, I was, uh, we were actually doing sprinklers in a large field. Mm. And as part of this process, right, we were getting ready to plant grass. And so we were... Uh, partaking of the tedious task of picking up rocks out Ooh. of this field. Yeah. <laughs> if any of you have picked up rocks out of a field, <laughs> you'll know. <laughs> they're never ending. <laughs> never and they're heavy. Ending, right? <laughs> yeah. it is, it's unbelievable. It's tedious and it's hot in the sun. Mm. And there I was, I was out uh, picking up rocks with a group of boys and it was it was exhausting, and there we went, and it seemed like mm. the minutes were dragging on. Mm. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was actually learning about this concept of oh, of okay. applying game yeah. principles to non game activities. Mm-hmm. And and so halfway through, I thought to myself, like, I'm going to try an experiment. I'm going to see I'm going to see if this really works. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, 
And so there we are, me and these boys, and we're all kind of griping, right? It's kind of miserable out there. <laughs> and and I tell them, I say, hey, we have about 100 yards left of this field. And we were each taking about three feet wide. And we were just mm. walking backwards, picking up rocks as we went across the field. Hmm. So I said, we have about 100 yards left. I bet that I can get more rocks and fill up my wheelbarrow faster than you can fill up, fill up yours. Mm. And mm-hmm. that, that was such a, a novice attempt to apply gamification, right? There, was, there were, weren't really any rules. There was no reward. There was a lot that was lacking right. in the scenario. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, the look in those boys' eyes, they mm. lit up and they, we started going at it. And we were picking up rocks and picking up rocks. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, not only were we picking up more rock, we were more efficient than before, but we were moving way faster through the uh, field. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the crazy part about this is we got about halfway done with that row that we were doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, someone yelled from, from the property and they said, hey, lunch is ready. And the boys, not me, said, okay, we're almost done. Oh, <laughs> they wanted to keep going. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Because we were playing, right? And it was a competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that is just, uh, that's just one example of how powerful it is uh, when we add aspects of a game into mm-hmm. a work-life mm-hmm. setting. Right. Now, I will say this, because uh, for those of you who have tried to motivate your kids to do chores before, and you may have tried things like this, mm-hmm. uh, you might be thinking to yourself like, well, that's a pretty short-term solution. And, and what I'll say at this point is the reason that that tactic wouldn't work week after week after week after week is because we're not employing enough of the attributes of what it means to truly gamify. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. what I'll say here is uh, we need to go one level deeper and I'm hope, I hope I'm not getting hmm. too complex. No, uh, no, this is good because I think a lot of parents have maybe used this and go, well, how do I keep this going? Right. Because, because yes, it, it seems to work, like you said, on a temporary basis, but... But yes, if we want them to do their chores every week <laughs> or on a daily basis or even just brush their teeth, um, how, how do we turn this into a game? <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, so there's there's two lo- layers to this, right? The first mm-hmm. layer is us asking, okay, what things are found in a game that make a game fun? So mm-hmm. what, we might, what we might say is, well, games seem to have competition, which I employed in the field, right? right? Yeah. Therefore, mm-hmm. I'm going to try and turn this into a competition. We mm-hmm. might say, well, games have a leaderboard. I can see who's in the lead and who's losing. Uh, yes. All games seem to have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, all games also seem to have rules, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we can, we can sort of pick that way, but that's only one layer deep. And we need to go two layers deep. Okay. Because the more important question is, what, what, have, game, what do, have games figured out that draw people to them? Mm-hmm. And so what we start seeing there is people don't play a game because it has a leaderboard, right? Right. Yeah. People don't that's... play a game because it has rules. They play a game for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And those reasons get a little bit deeper. And what I'm referring to is that games provide a deeper meaning. They provide an epic meaning. So if you've ever mm-hmm. seen, if you've ever seen uh, some of your kids play a video game, a lot of time the introduction to the video game will be a narration 
a narrative. Exactly. Is Mm -hmm. laying the the framework of this vast new world that that they to say. Yes. Yes. So it's a it's a like a mission. (laughs) It's like a mission. Uh And so uh, that's something that all great games beyond rules and leaderboards, Mm -hmm. uh, all great games provide deep meaning. Mm. It feels like an epic call to action, right? Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. All great games satisfy another thing that is deeply human, is deeply innate in uh, human motivation, which is our our longing to be connected to other people. Yes, mm-hmm. So you'll notice that the community, right? Mm Mm-hmm. The games that have been vastly successful throughout time are games that connect people to other to others, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Whether that's sporting right. events or the game of chess and checkers, right? Mm-hmm. Games that stand the uh, stand the test of time are ones right. that provide social connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, another is that the challenges pr- provided in the game are both meaningful and genuinely difficult hmm. right mm-hmm. right a game where the the challenges are too easy we get bored really fast yeah yep right mm-hmm. exactly and uh, another another two principles are that the there is some aspect of unpredictability and curiosity in the game mm-hmm. and that there is scarcity of time and or resources in the game oh yeah so you have to to draw something from yourself versus it's all provided for you. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'll give a few examples of what this looks like in a learning environment. Yeah. Uh, Just two, uh, two examples really quickly. Uh, One, because we're all familiar with it lately is Wordle, right? Mm. We Mm -hmm. all log in and we, we log in. No one's telling us to log into Wordle. Uh, We're not coerced. We don't win anything, but we all love it. Uh, and if you're not familiar with Wordle, I'm uh, not, so, but okay. I'm sure probably my viewers are, <laughs> I'm, I'm so disconnected. <laughs> so Wordle is a, it's a word game. So if you're familiar okay. with Sudoku, similar to Sudoku, okay. uh, mm-hmm. but the difference is that in Wordle, you have five guesses and the word is only five letters long. Okay. And if you, you get to guess one word at a time and Wordle will, will tell you based on the first word that you guessed which letters are in the correct answer mm. and which of those letters lie in the correct location where you guess them. And so uh, essentially hmm. it, it's just a fun word game. And yeah. uh, this game is it, a, uh, it provides meaning in the sense that uh, you get to, you get to prove and show yourself that you're intelligent. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and that combines with step two because it provides the social connection because it's the same word being revealed for every player uh, oh, that day, right? And okay. so, mm-hmm. Peggy, if you and I were to do today's Wordle, we would mm-hmm. both be able to talk about the word and how long right. it took us to guess that Yeah, word. okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then third is that it's genuinely difficult. It's difficult mm-hmm. to get the challenge. It's unpredictable. The word changes every day. And mm. uh, the the time closes. So you, A, you only have five guesses, but you can only access that game for 24 hours at a time, that round for 24 oh, hours at a okay. time. Okay, So it. that's just one example of how we see that, uh, how we see these principles laid out in a game 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the reason that we love it because it provides those right. things for us, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so we'll get to an example or two in just a minute of how we do this in learning. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's all about connecting to deeper meaning, connecting to other people, having social connection, right. uh, yep. challenges that are difficult mm-hmm. and also unpredictable, mm-hmm. um, a scarce amount of time or resources. Right. Once we hit this ground level, then we can start to talk about, okay, is it a competition? Are we, are we, do we have a scoreboard? And then mm-hmm. of course, what we'll talk about next is, uh, do we have clear tasks and rules that are easy to understand? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, moving forward, uh, we, yeah. I would love to share an example with you about, uh, a way that I've applied these principles in in a simple challenge. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was wrestling with the concept. Uh, again, I, I was teaching entrepreneurship, and mm-hmm. one of the one of the phases that was the most difficult was the finances, helping teens understand expenses and revenues and profits mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. How much money do they need to put away every month versus how much can they go and buy candy with, right? All of these questions, that was a really difficult portion of our curriculum Mm -hmm. uh, because it's math, right? And all of a sudden, there's a lot of insecurities tied up in math and Mm -hmm. it's difficult to learn. And if you don't understand it, then what does that mean about you, right? And so it was was our most difficult difficult unit in the curriculum. Hmm. And so the way that we gamified this, uh, this portion of our curriculum is that we went ahead and we ended up starting a competition. And hmm. the competition was who can make the best tasting lemonade at mm. the cheapest cost per cup. Oh. And so because all of a sudden this is a competition... Mm-hmm. And because this is uh, a chance for them to connect with their peers, right? Typically, right. typically a math equation is something that you put your head down and you try and figure out on your own. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden we turn this into a fun social interaction setting where you're trying right. to create a lemonade cup. It's all about how good your lemonade is. It's not actually about the numbers anymore, right? Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the teens go on and, and they're trying to make their lemonade and, and, about uh, 10 minutes in, you see light bulbs starting to click on for each of them mm-hmm. where they say, well, wait a minute, how do I figure out how much my cup of lemonade costs? <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, time. that's an important factor there. <laughs> yeah, it's an important factor. Uh, and so there's a huge difference in saying like, hey, today we're going we're gonna to a, play a game to see who can make the best cup of lemonade for the cheapest cost. And mm-hmm. today we're going to talk about expenses and revenues, right? Right. Well, <laughs> and on top of that, when you introduce the, you know, the factor of the, the lemonade taste first, and then they thought about the money later, they were already fully engaged in the process to the point that it would be difficult to back out because they had invested already in that. Yes. So that was very wise. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And so uh, you can see this as well. Uh, so 
they they begin they start to wonder well how do I know how much my cup of lemonade costs mm-hmm. and so then we start looking okay well you use two lemons each of those lemons cost thirty cents and and mm-hmm. they start writing it down and oh you used a cup of sugar okay well that sugar cost this much and and they're mm-hmm. the ones who do the math and figure it out all of a sudden solving that math equation was mm-hmm. integral to the goal that they wanted to accomplish. Right. Exactly. Yep. It became something they cared about deeply because Mm -hmm. A, they wanted to win. Right. But but pointing back to that idea of it needs to be tied to a deeper meaning. So Mm -hmm. for us in our entrepreneurship curriculum, everything we did pointed to how can we be a successful entrepreneur? First, Mm -hmm. we need to think like an entrepreneur and we need to understand our business like an entrepreneur. Right. And we have to have a great product. Right. Mm, That's what it takes mm -hmm. to be an entrepreneur. Right. And so creating, being able to create the best flavored lemonade at the lowest cost Mm -hmm. was deeply connected to, to their purpose and the meaning of the the journey that we were taking them on. Mm -hmm. And so this, this for me is a really simple demonstration of how uh, we took something that is mundane and tedious and typically viewed as not fun, especially Mm -hmm. to young people. Uh, and we were able to turn it into a game Mm -hmm. and, and just to recap briefly the way that we did that. So we, we tied it to deeper meaning, their deeper meaning of finding purpose as an entrepreneur and being, being able to create great products at a low cost. Mm -hmm. We, we provided social connection. So all of a sudden they were chatting with their peers while they were doing it and competing Mm -hmm. against their peers to create delicious lemonade. Right. Um, yep. mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and we we made the challenge difficult uh, in that there was a, a short time constraint. So they were hustling and mm-hmm. spilling, mm-hmm. spilling lemonade and sugar all over the place. Right? <laughs> uh, so warning, stuff like this can be messy. Uh, yes, yes. Oh, good right, learning is always messy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, we actually made it unpredictable. So if you remember that fourth principle, we made it unpredictable. Peaking mm-hmm. their curiosity and right. that yeah. some of them got to be the judges, but there was blind judging. And so they would pick uh, which one they liked best, uh-huh. not knowing who provided the lemonade. Right. And so we created yeah. this whole scenario uh, with, with a bunch of attributes of the game mm-hmm. just to make learning about uh, revenues and finances much more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's awesome. Yes. So this is what... Uh, we've, we've talked about uh, peaking curiosity and gamifying. So adding mm-hmm. attributes of game to a non-game like setting. Uh, right. If we go to our next slide, mm-hmm. one of the key ingredients of this, uh, if you think about any game, uh, we, we talk about establishing tasks and rules that are clear, clearly communicated and easy exactly. to understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, one example of this and we could we could talk about any game, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Because it's it's really interesting the way that young people and most most people, I should say, whether they're young or old, we mm-hmm. don't necessarily love rules. They feel confining mm-hmm. and they feel restrictive. The interesting thing about rules, once it's in a game setting, is that all of a sudden the rules are necessary to play the game. Right. Yes. Because otherwise so, the fairness goes out the window yeah. and you, you want what you're doing to be, you know, as effective as it can be. And it's got to be fair 
across the board with everybody else. And so there's some sort of comfort in that. Yeah. There's Mm -hmm. comfort in that. And it's actually what makes the game fun. Hmm. So uh, the more that kids play games, the more they'll resonate with this. But you try to try to guide your kids through a game of capture the flag where there are no rules. Oh yeah. And go ahead and see how much fun they have. And the answer is it will turn into a fight really fast. Right, exactly. <laughs> it will be an utter mess. It'll mm-hmm. be a disaster. And so we need to do the same things when we're setting up these types of experiences and challenges for our kids and our teams mm-hmm. is to set up clear tasks to be accomplished, clear milestones mm-hmm. and rules mm-hmm. for accomplishing them. So one example uh, that that I'll give in regards to the lemonade stand activity. Mm-hmm. So the clear rules that we gave them, uh, first of all, the the metrics of you're trying to have the cheapest cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can only use these specific ingredients that we have laid out. Okay. And yep. you only have two minutes. Mm. Ready, set, go. There's very specific rules. And so if someone tries to step right. out of line, someone tries to cheat, uh, then then they're holding each other accountable, right? But exactly, having, yes. Having these rules in place uh, helps it feel more like a game and a competition and less mm-hmm. like a boring task that someone's making me do, right? Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, yeah, they become internally motivated quite quickly. Yes. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, the the next example, the next story that I'd like to tell yeah. is that will that will start here. Uh, and so, something so very important uh, as we talk about autonomy. So, our next mm. step: once we provide rules and tasks clearly communicated, mm-hmm. the, I think this is maybe one of the most important steps that we sometimes fall short of as educators and as parents is allowing for uh, the autonomy mm-hmm, for teams to be able mm-hmm. to act for themselves. Exactly. So, yeah, because we always think there's a set way of doing something. And yes. we want to just like put it on top of our kids. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So much. And, and, and that's a very natural desire. And it's actually very difficult to resist mm-hmm. doing that. Right. Mm-hmm, right. This is one of the reasons that I love this process of gamification is that we we get to encourage and invite our kids to pers- participate in great learning. Mm. And we still honor them as an individual that gets to make their own choices. Right. So mm-hmm. we pique their curiosity. We, we provide a really fun and game-like atmosphere. Mm-hmm. We provide the rules and the milestones to be accomplished. Right. And then we say, all right. Like, are you, are you in? Are you going to do it? You mm-hmm. want to play? And I love this quote that says, the desire to create is one of the deepest yearnings of the human soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, we were made to create. This. Yeah, we love to create. And it's so natural to our nature mm-hmm. that if we as educators do a good enough job at piquing their interests and pointing them in a direction of how to satisfy that interest... Hmm. And make it fun enough through the gamification process. Right. Uh, they'll they'll explore. Mm-hmm. The exactly. thing that we have to be open to as adults is sometimes, 
sometimes young people will explore and they'll they'll decide that it's not that interesting anymore oh, yeah. after just a few mm-hmm. days. Right. right. Let's say that we're trying to get them really interested about United States history. Hmm. And they get through George Washington and they get through John Adams and they're mm-hmm. like, no, oh, well, mom, that was cool and all, but that's just not doing it for me anymore. <laughs> right. And <laughs> depending on the age of your child, they probably won't communicate it that clearly to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. It'll come out as behavior or <laughs> something right. a lot less desirable than a, a nice conversation. <laughs> right. But they will communicate that message to you one way or another. Mm-hmm. Where they'll right. say, you know what? I'm actually done with this. It's not interesting to me anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's our responsibility to a certain extent to allow our young people to, to deep dot or sorry, to dive deep into their interests. Mm-hmm. And in, in some situations, and this is, this is personal to every parent and every family, uh, but in some situations, it's even important to say, you know what, this isn't interesting to you right now. Let's say you're not interested in U.S. presidents like I want you to be, but mm-hmm. you do seem to really be interested in space and the, the first trip to the moon and Apollo 11, right? Mm-hmm. And so rather than try and cram you into this direction of, John Adams, like I want you to be, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to, instead of, instead of trying to pique your curiosity in something you're not already curious about, I'm actually just going to honor your autonomy and I'm going to start planting, uh, curiosity where they're already curious. And I guess a better way to say that is if you're already curious and you're wanting to learn more about the man on the moon and and Mm -hmm. space travel, right? What can I do as a learner and an educator to start planting seeds that will help mm. you be curious and dive deep into other aspects of that. And right. you can think of how exciting that is in the realms mm. of mathematics and science and physics. Uh, there's a exactly. lot of exciting directions mm-hmm. that can be taken from there, honoring the autonomy of your young person uh, mm. and, and giving them things they're already curious about. Exactly. Yes. Uh, and they may learn who was president during what time of the space era it was right. <laughs> and what that president did to make that, you know, either good, you know, move in the fast direction or slow it down. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> you can still build in, you know, some of those things. But um, but yeah, that the whole, you know, child led unschooling really dives deep into this autonomy um, portion. And it does make educating easier, um, especially yes. for kids that are very driven or undriven by learning that is not something that they're curious about. Right. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that, uh, that goes down uh, a wormhole a little bit of, of, yeah, the unschooling and, and mm-hmm. all those beautiful uh, philosophies mm-hmm. uh, for today's purposes, though, uh, I almost got a little ahead of myself uh, for today's purposes, right. Talking about, okay, I feel like it is important for my teen or my child to learn these skills. Mm-hmm. Let's gamify it and make it fun. Right. So uh, one example that I'd love to give, uh, looking back a little bit at the specific rules and then giving them autonomy with those rules, mm-hmm. and how you can really, really nail those two things together. So with one group that I was leading, it was really important to us. We wanted our teens to start thinking independently we wanted them to start getting the the skill set to think for themselves and uh, to 
to know the skill set of how to find your way in the world mm. on your own, right? Mm-hmm. And so the way that we did that is we paired up teens into groups of three or four. And huh. we created a scavenger hunt throughout, uh, I'm near Salt Lake City in Utah. Okay. So mm-hmm. we set up a scavenger hunt in downtown Salt Lake City. And they had four hours to get as many points as they wanted. So within mm. the scavenger hunt, uh, there were uh, 50 destinations. And wow. <laughs> each destination had a different number of points they would get to go and take a picture in front of that destination. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, if who, whichever team was able to acquire the most points throughout the four, four hours would win the competition. The twist was that they would have an adult to be with them just to ensure safety, but that adult wasn't allowed to open their mouths Mm. unless they're an emergency. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) And so if you actually want to go to the next slide, uh, Mm -hmm. you can see, uh, there we are. You can see my face in the bottom. It's actually chopped off below my nose right there. You can, you can kind (laughs) of see me smirking. Mm -hmm. Uh, so what was happening in that picture is I'm with that group of teens. Uh, they're all aged 12 to 15. Okay. We had just gotten onto a downtown uh, tram. Mm-hmm. And we had boarded the tram going in the wrong direction. Oh, no. And, <laughs> and you couldn't say anything. <laughs> yeah. Was so you can see on one or two of the kids' faces, there's a there's a decent level of panic happening. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> um, and so what, what I love about this experience is we set up very clear rules mm-hmm. to ensure the teen's safety, one mm-hmm. of which is that they couldn't separate and that I would be with them. Right. So we ensured their safety. We set up rules as far as, hey, you're trying to get to this many. There's a time constraint. You're only mm-hmm. going to be out there this long. Right. And then we allowed them to be completely autonomous, Hmm. 100% autonomous. And I mean, even to the extent that some of those groups chose to only go to a few destinations and they chose to sit at a food court and eat ice cream cones for 40 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. And that is so hard is the adult to let that happen. Right. And not say, oh, this isn't a great use of your time, right? It's Uh really hard. Or it's Mm -hmm. really difficult. You can see on my smirk in that picture, it's really difficult to know we are going the wrong way in this train. Uh Uh-huh, exactly. (laughs) These 12-year-olds are completely lost. Uh, It's really, Mm. really difficult to allow them to make their own choices and learn from their own choices. Right. But here's the beauty of this process, right? Because we have gone through the care to set it up. Mm -hmm. We've piqued their curiosity. We ourselves have set up a game-like structure where we know because of the rules we've set in place, they're going to be safe. Right. Mm -hmm. And we know that there's a sense of structure so that it's not pure chaos. Mm -hmm. Then we, at that point, get to sit back and observe. Right. Yeah. And... they will mess up and they'll fumble and Mm -hmm. sometimes they won't execute the way that we hope they will. Sometimes they'll execute even better than we hope they will. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's part of it, right? Mm -hmm. Is us allowing for that level of autonomy. Mm -hmm. This to me is we, it's really easy to miss the mark on this when we don't allow any autonomy and Mm -hmm. we try to cram things down our kid's throat. 
The other way right. I think we can go wrong here is when we say, I as a parent will be completely uninvolved. I won't mm. do one through three. And I'm just going to trust that their autonomy will take them through. Right. Yeah. Uh, both yeah. of those are dangerous, mm-hmm. right? That's a very good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when I, when I focus on and suggest autonomy, it is within the structure of, okay, I'm going to set up, I'm going to pique your curiosity. I'm going to establish a game-like structure mm-hmm. and I'm going to set up some rules. And within those rules, have at it. Right. Be yes, yourself, right? exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, because young people, not only do they need some structure, but they actually crave it as well. Right. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, that's, definitely want to add that with that piece. Uh, mm-hmm. That's, that's perfect because I think, yeah, we do either lean one way or the other um, as a parent and it's finding that, that safe middle ground where the learning is optimal. That sometimes just takes a lot of trial and error on our part as well as, you know, just allowing our kids to either fail or, um, or be able to to learn on their own without as much structure as we want to provide. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's so much better to do it before they get out of the house because this is going to happen when they become an adult anyways. (laughs) And I, I don't think we often think of that, you know, I've got all adult children now and, and yes, it's, either let them fail safely in these types of scenarios or you're they're going to fail because they've never been in these types of scenarios and they're going to have to learn in much harder situations how yes. to be autonomous. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Which brings us so nicely to our next point, uh, Peggy, is that we do not learn from experience. We learn from reflecting on experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This to me is potentially one of the uh, most overlooked truths of education Mm -hmm. Uh, because like I said, a lot of people are actually pretty good at the autonomy Mm -hmm. and uh, we hear all this time the the adage that uh, you learn from your failures or you learn Mm -hmm. from your mistakes. Uh, It's actually uh, those sentences as are aren't actually true. Hmm. We don't learn from failure. We learn when we reflect on our failure. From the right perspective, too. Exactly. Some people yes. can look, look at those failures in a very bad context and never learn from them. <laughs> absolutely right. And to your mm-hmm. point, some people, uh, rather than learn from failure, they become bitter. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, mm-hmm go into downward spirals rather than learning from them. And Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. one thing that is so, so, so important about helping our young people and their progression is that young people have incredible capacity. Their capacity Mm -hmm. is huge. Mm -hmm. What they lack is experience. Yes. Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. our job is to give them experiences and then give them a chance to reflect on those experiences. Mm -hmm. So going back to my example of the amazing race, right? And we're going around Mm -hmm. Salt Lake City and we're getting on trams going the wrong way. And (laughs) they they lose because they they sat down and ate a sandwich for 30 minutes when they could have hurried a little faster, right? Right. So rather than me get upset at them and try and control Mm -hmm. them during this phase of autonomy... Right. I get to just sit back and even chuckle, right? I'm on the... Mm-hmm. I, I right. <laughs> Assuming that when it's all over, 
I take the chance as their guide and mentor and to sit down with them and reflect and say, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. what right. happened out there? Mm-hmm. These are the three questions I'd recommend, by the way. What happened in that activity? Yeah. What does it mean? Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Does it actually matter? Like, do, right. does it matter yeah. that we went the wrong way? Mm-hmm. Uh, in this example, the kids would have yelled, of course it mattered. We lost a lot of time, right? Mm-hmm. And right. then for me, because I'm not, I'm not trying to push an agenda on them at this point, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. I get to say, oh, how interesting. Yeah, you're right. It would have been faster. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then yeah. the third question is, how does that affect your future? Or the way I would ask it in that context is, so how would you do it different next time? Yes. How would you make sure you didn't get on the tram going the wrong Mm -hmm. way? Mm -hmm. And they would come up with some beautiful answer, right? Yeah. But that type of reflection is the way that they, uh, is the way that they actually learn. Mm -hmm. And that, by the way, is the same for adults, right? We learn, we reflect upon our experiences. Mm -hmm. One example that I want to give, and then we'll tie it all together, the full loop. Yeah. Uh, This past Sunday. So, uh, I, I like you, um, am, am very religious and spiritual person and, mm-hmm. and I am a volunteer in our youth group. And so during mm-hmm. Sundays I sit with the youth classes and, and okay. when we're doing scripture study together, right, I'm with the youth group. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes as you might imagine, that's really chaotic. Right. <laughs> and, and sometimes I sort of sit back and chuckle and I think to myself, you know what, if we, if we get five minutes out of a 45 minute discussion that is enlightening and inspiring, <laughs> I'm going to count that as a win, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here was an interesting point is I was sort of wrestling with this idea of, I really want to take that five minutes of inspiring and take that to 10 or 20, or even imagine the full time being inspired. Mm, right? mm. Uh, and I was wrestling with that and, and it occurred to me that, you know what, I haven't allowed, I haven't given space for this youth group to debrief and to have reflection ah, moments mm-hmm. about their own experience. So this right. actually happened this past, this most recent Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, with five minutes left of our scripture conversation, uh, we, we paused there and I asked the, it was a, it was a group of just boys, teenage boys. Mm-hmm. So I asked the boys, uh, is it okay with you guys if we do a quick reflection on what we just experienced? And they were like, yeah, they were all down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two of the boys were in charge of leading a discussion and all of the other boys, there were 17 of them were participants. Okay. And, I just posed the question. I said, okay, so here's how I would suggest we do a reflection. I would suggest that the boys who led the discussion say one thing that you thought went really well and then one thing that you think could maybe improve. And then I want to hear from the boys in the group, what's one way you think you could improve as participants uh, Mm. for next time? And Peggy, it was amazing. And it was so beautiful because you had Mm. 17 and 17 year old boys talking to each other saying, you know what? We were really distracted a lot of the time. And I bet, I bet we would get more out of this if we weren't cracking jokes. And, and I bet mm. if we weren't on our phones, I bet it would have gone better too. And right. so all of a sudden you have 16 year olds telling each other the mm-hmm. stuff that I wanted oh, to tell them. So much more effective than you telling them that. <laughs> right. Where when an adult yep. says it, it, it sounds condemning and, and mm-hmm. there's a level of guilt associated with it. Right. But they, right. Like they have the awareness that they were able to, upon reflection, they were able to come up with that on their own. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that is so very powerful, especially especially in that setting, but in all the settings where learning and education is the priority, mm-hmm. is right. to keep in mind that learning doesn't ever happen by force. Uh, yes. It only happens mm-hmm. when people want to. And yeah. so no matter how tempted I was week after week after week to say, all right, boys, quiet down. Like we gotta, we gotta, right. this, this is right. important, you know, mm-hmm. um, that wouldn't have helped. In fact, I think it just would have pushed them away. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. The thing that helps is providing a setting, creating clear rules and tasks, mm-hmm. um, letting them be autonomous, right? Letting them try to lead conversations, even when you observe it crashing and burning a little bit. Right. Yeah. And, and then mm-hmm. give space to reflect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so that that's the last example. We're coming up on our hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These principles of gamification, of peaking curiosity, uh, gamifying or adding these game-like structures to things mm-hmm. that we don't typically think of as games, uh, that's yeah. being tied to epic meeting and a narrative and social mm-hmm. connection and uh, uniqueness of, of opportunity experience and, and genuinely difficult challenges, right? Adding right. those type of gamification attributes. Mm-hmm. Then we make sure there's clear rules and responsibilities that are clearly right. communicated. Mm-hmm. And then we give autonomy and yeah. we debrief on mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. action to while it was autonomous. Right. If we follow those principles, uh, you're going to win. It won't be as clean as you might want it to look. Sometimes it's really messy, especially right. those periods of autonomy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where learning happens. And yeah. and I know that if you've caught glimpses of that, you're nodding your head right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Those exactly. moments of autonomy followed by reflection. Uh, sometimes you'll get emotional listening to the things that your kids will say. Uh, mm-hmm. and they'll communicate things that you you're praying that they learn. Right. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. I mean, you can think of this as, well, this is just going to take so much of my time, but I want you to remember that these are the things when I've done things like this with my kids, as adults, they still remember these things because it is so ingrained in, in the experience that we shared together and they shared with one another. And, um, and, they're lessons that have gone so deep into who they are versus just lessons. You know, we opened up a book and and did something and then we forgot the next hour. Um, You know, you remember and it's um, it's something, you know, like I'm sure all the students on that, that, um, you know, the, the tram going the wrong way, they will never forget that experience. (laughs) And some of the things that they learned just in that afternoon will stick with them for a lifetime because it you, you allowed them to explore and to learn and then discuss that and it, it became meaningful to them. It's so important. Right. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. So we had one um, guest while we were talking, Creative Minds Homeschooling, said, I'm horrible at games also, never liked them as a child, but I have two kids who love video games. Well, I hope that this hour, because she commented on that towards the beginning, that this has encouraged you that... Um, just because you don't like video games, which I don't particularly either, um, doesn't mean that you can't include 
this this concept of gamifying school and and experiences and things like that um, into your schedule. Um, Travis, you made it so accessible. Um, I know we talked about it that at the beginning, and I just want to thank you for the the time that you put into um, crafting your slides and your stories because that that really makes a a huge lasting impression for my listeners and viewers too. Absolutely. And, and thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's definitely an audience and, and a cause that I care a lot about. And mm. so I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on the show and uh, looking forward to more conversations in the future. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Ali um, was watching on Facebook said, late to the video will be available later. Yes, um, we'll pin it to the top of our Facebook page for the week, but also it will be on our YouTube channel indefinitely. And on Sunday, it'll be turned into a podcast on our podcast channel. So a um, variety of different ways. And then next week also we'll take four shorter segments um, that my editing team will work on and they'll be reposted onto YouTube and then shared across our social media. So lots of lots of different ways to interact with this content that Travis gave us because you don't want to miss any of it um, and definitely go back and watch the whole video um, so and we have one other um, viewer from YouTube that says thank you so much such great information thanks for joining us Audra <laughs> we appreciate it um, so yeah so this wraps up our um, discussion on gamification and and more beyond engaged learning i guess is kind of what we we dove into today and um again thank you travis and the work that you're doing i know we're, we're going to be talking more about your new endeavor and getting that information onto our website so that you can um definitely take advantage if you have a high schooler and are looking at different alternatives um to to dive into that too because um we definitely need those options for our students. So, um, so we'll be in touch about that. And um, definitely check out all of our resources on spadhomeschool.com. Um, and thank you to our viewers. I know we got someone even um, saying thank you. They were great inputs. All the best from homeschooling family in Puerto Rico. Well, thanks for watching in Puerto Rico. We appreciate Amazing. you joining our, our conversation. So, so yeah, um, awesome. Next week, we're going to talk about road schooling as we continue this, this topic. And um, I haven't even got it onto our schedule yet because I just confirmed it a couple of days ago. So, um, so you want to join us then and talk about if you're going to take a vacation or maybe you're going to go longer homeschooling your RV. I've done it twice. Um, <laughs> and just how do you learn while you're out and about and maybe in small cramped spaces um, while you're living, but yet you have the whole great outdoors to, to, to learn. In. So we're going to explore that next week and I hope you'll join us then. But thanks again, Travis. And thanks again, all of you. We appreciate you and um, we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. God bless everybody. So Bye. <laughs>